Last week we started the series called Guardrails. And um, guardrails, when you think about it, I mean, you've, you've, most of you in this room have been driving or you've at least been a passenger in a vehicle. And guardrails are all around us, but we probably don't take a lot of time to think about them. You know, we don't really think a lot about that, that part of our driving experience, and yet they're there, and they're there to protect us from driving into off-limit or dangerous areas, right? Thank God for, for guardrails, right? I mean, if, if it wasn't for guardrails, think about driving in the winter across an icy bridge. I mean, if you hit a guardrail, you're going to do some damage to your vehicle. You might have to go to a service shop. But if there was no guardrail on that bridge in Ohio in the middle of winter, you might be going to a morgue instead, right? You hear what I'm saying? And so guardrails and rumble strips and white lines and yellow lines, they're all great metaphors for some, some really crucial areas that we see in the wisdom literature of the Bible. Now you say, well, what, what's the wisdom literature of the Bible? We talked about this last week, but the Bible is a library of books, 66 different books, and, and it's divided by sections. And so like the first section of the Bible is your history. You get into the wisdom literature, which is Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And of course, wisdom fills the entire Bible. I'm not saying that the wisdom is only relegated to those three books. We find wisdom throughout the Word of God. But in those books in particular, we see the wisdom that God has for you and I. See, God's desire for you is that you would walk in wisdom. Do you believe that? That's what he wants for you. He wants you to walk in wisdom. God is kind of like Mr. T. He goes, I pity the fool. Pity the fool. It never works. I've got to just stop trying, okay? Like he doesn't want you to walk in foolishness. He wants you to walk in wisdom. And so last week we looked at Proverbs chapter 8, and I'm just going to read a little bit of that for you uh, again if you weren't here last week. And in Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs is written by King Solomon, and chapter 8 is, the whole book is about wisdom, but in Proverbs chapter 8, it's wisdom is, is, it has a voice. Wisdom is per, personified. I know that's a great big college word, uh, but, but it's, it's wisdom that is speaking. And wisdom's voice, interestingly enough, all the ladies in this room will think this is interesting, wisdom's voice is that of a female. It's the voice of a woman. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? And so I, that's where I get the amen, right? That's where you get, you're connecting. Okay. And in verse 32 of Proverbs chapter 8, it says, And so my children, and this is wisdom speaking, And so my children, listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful. Or in a lot of your translations, and we talked about this last week, it's the word blessed. That if we walk in the ways of wisdom, we experience blessing. Well, what is blessing? Blessing is well-being. Blessing is peace, shalom. Blessing is this place of joy, right? So, so wisdom is speaking, and wisdom says, if you will follow my path, if you will stay in my lane of wisdom, you will experience blessing. Verse 33, listen to my instructions and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. Again, it's wisdom speaking. For whoever finds me or finds wisdom finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. And so last week we gave you this analogy that we have on one side we have wisdom. And on the other side, the other extreme, we have, and I'm just going to call it what it is, death. Now, now, this might not be a literal physical death, but often the opposite of wisdom does lead to physical death as well. But it is certainly 
death to a relationship with God, spiritual death, but also relational death. That if we don't follow the ways of wisdom, it will impact us. And maybe we don't physically die, but it will impact our relationships with the people that we love. We see this in marriage. We see this in dating relationships. We see this in relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Like the, the, if we don't follow the way of wisdom, it often leads to death. And so what we talked about last week is that God wants to protect you from death, and so he has some warning systems put in place to keep us from that place of danger, that place that is off limits. And we gave you this analogy last week of driving, so we'll put this picture up on the screen of, of the road, and you'll see that next to, we'll call, we'll call the, the lane between the yellow lines and the white lines, we'll call that the place of wisdom. That's what God wants for you. He, 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 you don't have an ATV. You, you're, you're, you are a finely tuned Porsche. And you don't want to go off-roading in a Porsche, right? That's not, that's not what a Porsche is designed for. It is designed for the road. It's designed for speed. God's desire for you is to live in the lane of wisdom. Do you get that? Now, I talked about this last week. Wis, this way of wisdom, there's going to be potholes there's going to be roadkill. There's going to be orange barrels along the way. This doesn't mean that everything's case-sera-sera, that everything's going to be hunky-dory, and you're not going to, you're going to bump into a few things in this place of wisdom. But by and large, this is a place of blessing. It's a place of peace. And we talked about most of this last week. It's a place of favor, right? This is what God wants for you. God wants this for you because he loves you. He loves you. He's not trying to put controls or, or, or systems in place to keep you from having fun. He knows that when you are in the place of wisdom, your life will flourish, your life will be fulfilled, you'll find the most joy, your relationships, will, you'll have the best relationships when you're in this place of wisdom. Now, next to the place of wisdom, we have this place of rumble strips. I told you last week that Pastor Aaron calls these car farts. Car farts. And so this is a place where if you, if you get distracted, if you start maybe, you know, falling asleep a little bit, as soon as you hit the rumble strips, you know it, right? The car, the car shakes, you hear it, right? And, and this is the place of warning. See, your heavenly father loves you so much that he sends his Holy Spirit to grab your attention when you are starting to deviate into a place. Now, here's the thing about the rumble strips. You're, you're not doing any damage to your vehicle yet, right? Right? Uh, okay. Some of you are like, I don't know. Like, can you? Maybe, I, maybe if your car is held together by dirt, you know, maybe, maybe that you'll, things will start falling off. But by and large, this isn't the place. That, this is a place of warning. This is a place of, hello, McFly, pay attention. You're about to deviate into a place. If you don't course correct here, you're about to go into a place that's going to be extremely dangerous, Right? We need to pay attention to rumble strips, and, and this is what we talked about last week. We need to build, and we need to construct some rumble strips in our lives so we know when we are deviating from the place of wisdom. So last week, we talked about Ephesians chapter 5, where, where Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to the Debauchery, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So last week we used a case study of alcohol and just the fact of, you know, God wants there to be some rumble strips where we're getting to this place of death when it comes to alcohol. The, the problem is for most of us, the, the alarm bells start going off and we don't pay attention, right? 
So we need to, ahead of time, before we're in a place of danger, we need to just ask the question, what are the rumble strips in my life? What are the ways, before I do any damage, before anything, before I get to the place of out-of-control living, what, what are the warning systems that need to be taking place in my life? And then we talk about, unfortunately, next to that is the guardrails, and that's the place of damage. You hit a guardrail, and you're going to damage the vehicle. But I would much rather damage my vehicle than to not have the guardrails and end up in a place of death, right? So here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And if you have the notes, disregard the notes, because we're not doing the notes at all this morning. But uh, last night, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and I really felt impressed. And maybe this is just for one person in this room. But I want to take some time, and we'll get back into it. We'll, we'll talk about next, not next week, because Dr. Uh, uh, Stan will be with us. But the following week, we'll, we'll start getting into just some really practical, specific areas where we need rumble strips and guardrails regarding physical and intimate relationships, where we need um, rumble strips and guardrails in the area of money, where we need rumble strips and guardrails in our words. We're going to be talking about that on Mother's Day. That's going to be a gift to all of our moms because mamas want us to watch our mouths, right? And so we're going, to, we're going to talk, what are the guardrails that we need in regard, because Proverbs says so much about our mouths and about the words that we speak. We're, we're, going, to be, we're going to get really practical in the month of May with this. But I really felt impressed last night, and, and when I say that, I don't mean like there was a voice, you know, an audible voice from this guy, can change your sermon. <laughs> it was just a sense Honestly, I, I was taking a shower, and, and as I was taking, God speaks to me a lot when I'm taking a shower. Anybody else with me? Okay. And so I, I want us to go to Romans 7. This won't be up on the screen because they didn't know to put it up there. And, and we're going we're gonna to park in Romans 7, and then we're going to go a little bit into Romans chapter 8. But here's who I want to speak to this morning. I want to speak to the person who's sitting here, and you're saying, Ken, I wish I would have had this because I'm all the way over here. I believe there's somebody in this room who in some sense or another, you're, you're past the place of warning. You're either in the place of damage or you're in the place of death where you are blowing up relationships around you. Maybe the place of death where you feel like there's no connection to God. God couldn't possibly love you. God probably thinks you're disgusting. God couldn't possibly think that you're worth it. Maybe you're here and you're in these places. Now, if you're here this morning and you're in the place of wisdom, man, I'm glad you're here. Pray for us. <laughs> Okay, seriously, in the next few minutes, just pray that God would do a work in people's lives. So here's what we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 7. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And he says this, he says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. See, Paul has been talking about the law a lot because he's writing to Orthodox Jewish uh, individuals who, who he's trying to make the case that, hey, following the law isn't cutting it. Okay, you follow the law, but you break the law, and so in God's eyes, man, it's just not working. And so he says, the trouble is not with the law, but for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. This is Apostle Paul writing. He goes on, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul is saying, I, I want to stay in this lane of wisdom, but I find myself way too often over here. And, and I don't understand it and I don't get it. He says, verse uh, 16, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, 
This shows that I agree that the law is good. I'm over here, and I know it's wrong, which shows me that it is wrong and that the law is correct, that God's ways are correct. He says, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Keep going. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Any of you guys relating to this? Like, isn't this a story of our lives, right? He goes on, uh, verse 20, he says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Like, he's recognizing, like, there's this thing, like, I really do want to stay over here. Ken, I really want to live in this place of wisdom. I don't know what it is. I guess it's the sin in me. See, Paul's grappling with this, right? He goes on, he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I just read that, right? Verse 21. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another, and then he uses this word power, or maybe in your translation it's the word authority. There's another power or authority within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then he says this, and you're gonna, some of you in this room are going to relate to this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Or, oh, what a wretched man I am, or a wretched woman I am. Who will free me, or who will rescue me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will rescue me? Who will free me from this body of death, is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm over here, and I don't want to be over here, but I'm like a slave to this. What a wretched man I am. How miserable I am. Who will rescue me? Who will deliver me? Who will free me? And verse 25 is the answer. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The G- Listen, you, if you try to white-knuckle this, if you try, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list resolutions. I know it's not January 1st. I know we're all the way at the end of, but, uh, end of April, but I'm going to list resolutions. I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to do better, and I'm gonna, I, 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 I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And yet I find myself over here. What a wretched man I am. How miserable. Who will rescue me? Who will free me? The answer is only Jesus. Amen. There's no other answer. Who are, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord here means master. This means I've submitted myself to Jesus. He is my master and he is my Lord. He is the only one who can rescue me. He's the only one, and let me tell you, he, we talked last week, we used this phrase, he is the divine tow truck. The Holy Spirit, he will take you and he will bring you back into wisdom. And he is the one who refurbishes us, like that auto shop, repair shop. Like he will refer, he'll make you better than you were to begin with. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you, if you go on now to verse 1 of chapter 8, and by the way, there were no chapters or verses when Paul wrote this. In, in other words, the numbers weren't there. This was one letter, and then in a modern invention was divvying it up into chapters and adding verse numbers. And that's so when we read it together, especially reading from different translations and whatnot, that we can all literally be on the same page, right? But for Paul, this wasn't a separation, 
Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The next thing that he says, the very next thing is, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And a lot of people like to just take that verse and, well, there's no condemnation. And they they use that as a, I can just live over here and there is now no condemnation. I'm in Christ Jesus. And my question is, are you in Christ Jesus? In fact, that's a question for every person in this room to answer this morning. Are you in Christ Jesus? See, here's here's the issue. We'll make it really simple. You are either in Adam, which represents sin and death and condemnation and captivity. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ, which represents grace and life and freedom and righteousness, right? Like you're either, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And if you, if you said, there's no other way, who's going to rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to be in Christ. Then you don't have to deal with condemnation anymore. But it goes on, verse 2, and because you belong to him or because you are in Christ, the power or the authority of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power or the authority of sin that leads to death. Now, don't miss this. Not only are you hopefully in Christ, right? You're no longer in Adam. You're no longer in sin and death and condemnation. You're in Christ. You're in his life. You're in his grace and in his forgiveness. The moment that you receive the grace of Jesus, he adopts you into his family. He justifies you. In other words, in God's eyes, as if if you had never sinned, I can't talk. Not only that, He puts the Holy Spirit of God, who is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, he puts the Holy Spirit in you. The moment that you receive the grace of God, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell inside of you. Do you understand that? So what Paul says, verse 2, some of you need to highlight this one, write it out, carry it around in a card. Listen to it again. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He already has. He has freed you. Not he might, not someday, not hopefully. He had, present tense, he has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Who? The power of the life-giving spirit. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to God. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. In other words, following the law, following the commandments, doing all that, all by itself, just by that, you couldn't do it. You couldn't keep it. I couldn't. None of us could. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God so loved you. I don't care how you, maybe you're here and you say, Ken, I, I, I'm a Christian. Ken, I'm, I'm a Catholic. Ken, I'm a whatever, Lutheran. Ken, I'm a Methodist. Ken, I'm whatever religious labels. Maybe I'm a Buddhist. Maybe I'm Hindu. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm agnostic, atheist. Whatever the label is, God doesn't want you in this place of death. He wants you in this place of blessing and favor and wisdom, this place where you will flourish and be fulfilled. This is what God wants for you. This is God's desire for you. You will only find it through Jesus. 
There's no other way that you'll find it. God sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for your sins. And the question is, are you still in this place of just living your life, doing what you want to do, driven by your desires and cravings? No guardrails, no rumble strips. You're, just li- you're in Adam. You're in sin. You're in death. You're in captivity. You're in condemnation. Or have you made a conscious decision of saying, I want to be in Christ? Jesus, I want to be in you. I want to be in your grace. I want to be in your freedom. I want to be in your life. I want to be in your restoration. I want to be in in your righteousness. And the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit will set you free from the power of sin that leads to death. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was enough. And so maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and I, I'm telling you we had a whole different sermon. Look at the notes. You'll see this was going to go a whole different direction. But I believe God wanted to speak to somebody in this room this morning. He loves you. He loves you. You're not too, you're not too far gone. Maybe you're out in the weeds. Maybe you're down in the ravine. You're not too far gone. That's a lie from the enemy that there's no hope. I'm too far gone. God could never rescue me from this. That's a lie. I don't care what it is that you're involved in. God can bring you out. He could free you. He loves you. Cry out to him. Whatever place you're at, cry out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Free me. Now listen, pulling you out of the ravine and bringing you back on the road, sometimes it's messy. Can I just say that? I don't want to paint this picture of cupcakes and unicorns. Sometimes there's a lot of damage, and in correcting the damage, there's pain in correcting that damage. Okay, can we just be honest? Sometimes it's going to mean letting other people into my life because that's how God renews me. It's how he restores me. In God's restoration business, he uses the body of Christ. And the body of Christ today here on earth is the church. He uses one another. He uses us. And that together, we can see restoration through Jesus Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit. You are so loved. You're so valuable. So as we continue in the month of May to talk about these rumble strips and these guardrails, here's what I want you to know. We're saying this because God loves you and he wants the best for you. He wants your relationships not to experience death. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish in your marriage, in your relationships, singles, in, in, whatever, in whatever place of life you're in. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to experience his fulfillment. He so loves you. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Would you stand to your feet this morning? The question really is, are you in Christ or are you in the old man? You say, well, I'm a woman, first of all, so I don't know how I could be in the old man, but I I could get you. What I mean by that is the biblical language is, are you in Adam? Are you in your place of sin? Are you in a place of condemnation? Have you made a conscious decision to say, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be in Christ. Have you received his grace? Have you received his life? Have you received his forgiveness? Maybe, maybe you have, and you're, you're stuck over here, and you say, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I don't know what happened. I got baptized, and I still struggle with this addiction. I don't know what happened. I want you to know wherever you are, the power of the life-giving spirit can free you from the power of sin that leads to death. It's aligning ourselves with the truth of God's word. It's waking up every morning and instead of saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's waking up every morning and saying, God, I thank you today that I'm in Christ. 
I thank you today I'm no longer an Adam. I thank you that I'm in your life, that I'm in your grace. I thank you today that there's no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. And thank you today for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, free me from the power of sin that leads to death today. Holy Spirit, I walk in alignment with you. Holy Spirit, I walk in your truth. See, we have, we have to exercise our minds because the enemy's a liar. The enemy says, no, you're still in death. No, you're still bound. No, you're still addicted. No, you're still gonna, and you, no, that's not who I am anymore. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for, for everyone who's in here. Maybe, maybe there's some I've never even met before. God, I pray today that they would experience your life. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this moment, you would speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, in this moment, unveil eyes, unveil spiritual ears, oh God. With your eyes bowed and, and your heads, or your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you're here and you say, Ken, I, I, I am not in Christ. I want to be in Christ. I want to receive his grace. I need Jesus to forgive me. I want him to be first and center in my life. I want to, I want, I've been leading my life for myself. I want to follow him. If, you, if that's you, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. Baptism is where we go public with our faith. But if that's you, right where you are, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Say, Ken, I want to be in Christ. Yes, I see you. Yeah, I see you. I see you right there. I see you. I see you. Anybody else that would say, I see you over there? Yeah. Anybody else that would say, that's me? You can lower your hands if you've raised them. Yeah, I see you back there. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, I'm just gonna encourage you to pray. Pray this prayer with me. And in fact, everybody in this room, would you join me in praying this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me and saving me. I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you were risen from the dead because you have power to free me, lead my life, show me how to walk with you, thank you for your Holy Spirit who has freed me from the struggle of sin, help me to follow you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there was a number of you that raised your hand, and, and some of you was a reaffirmation just saying, you know what, I've, I've prayed this prayer before, but I, I know I need it again. And, and if that's the case, maybe it was the first time, a reaffirmation, on your connection card that Carrie mentioned earlier, would you just, on the bottom of your connection card, there's a place to check, I'm starting a relationship, with, a relationship with Jesus, or I'm renewing a relationship with Jesus. If you would check that, that helps us because we want to come alongside. It's not because we're nosy. It's because we want to come alongside and just help you and encourage you and even coach you if you want that to help you in following Jesus. Also, we have prayer partners that are coming right now, and they would love to, as everybody else is leaving, they would love to come and just pray with you. And, uh, and it's not just for those who are, are maybe reorienting your life with Christ. Maybe you're here and, and you need prayer for something going on in a relationship or something at work or something in your physical body or you have a friend who needs prayer. They would love to pray with them as well. And uh, before you leave, remember the connection cards. We have some good-looking people in the back with white buckets, and you can stick those cards in there. Listen, I, I want you to be encouraged that God is with you no matter what you're facing in life. God is with you. He loves you. Keep looking to Him. Keep turning to Him. Keep crying out to Him, right?
God bless you. Come back next week. We're going to be talking about uh, God, where are you? You know, where is God when life doesn't make sense? We'll see you guys later. God bless you.